cat. Let's see if I can have a look at the YouTube window there. Uh, yeah, it's still going live. It's live? Hey, it looks like it's now live. That's okay, I was kind of stalling and apologizing it for, for it being a little slow. Uh, the um, upshot is that my operating system and my broadcast software may be having a bit of a disagreement. I'm experiencing some weird behavior, some monitors turning black, uh, but it's still running, so that's good. So if, uh, if anything happens, Lars did it. All right, uh, let's get started with some stuff, right? Uh, first of all, thanks so much to everyone who came by for the unboxing of Adabox last week. That was a lot of fun. The next Adabox is coming fairly soon. It's gonna be coming in October. So if you are into Adabox or you know someone who might be, uh, or you're interested, intrigued, want to try it out, head on over to the Adafruit Adabox site. You can just go to adabox.com or you can go to adafruit.com slash adabox. Either one will work and you can sign up for the next, uh, for the next one. That's going to be Adabox 20. Uh, can you believe that, huh? Adabox 20. Wow, it's going to be a cool one. Uh, might be seasonally appropriate. Can't say too much. What happens in October? Hmm. Kind of holiday. All right. Uh, next up, hey, we've got a little bit of a help wanted sign up here. AdaBot is still trying to get that up there. Not enough uh, glue. But one day that, uh, that corner is going to stick there. And uh, if you head on over to jobs.adafruit.com, as Mr. Certainly just posted in our Discord, you will see uh, some openings available for people looking for work, including this one I just saw on here. Uh, this is someone looking for help with the design build of a wearable necklace pendant that buzzes. And uh, that is a uh, contract job. So I believe you can do that remotely. Uh, the company is out of Newark, Delaware, but I think you can be anywhere and work on this project. Uh, if it looks interesting to you. So go to adafruitsjobs.adafruit.com. It's always free. It's free to post your positions. It's free to post your resume, and maybe you'll find a work connection. I hope so. Hope you do. Uh, <clears throat> let's see what else is going on. Uh, Jepler's in the chat saying that there are a number of holidays in October, including International Day of Older Persons. I didn't know that. National... Day, nationaltoday.com, huh? That'll let you know. So, what else? Uh, hey, on Tuesdays I do this show. It's called JP's Product Pick of the Week. That's the logo right there. And uh, in that show, I pick an item from the vast catalog of Adafruit items that we have for sale. Often a new product pick, sometimes an oldie but goodie. Uh, this past week, I spent about 15, 20 minutes showing off a new product. Uh, one, in fact, that we'll be dealing with a little bit more today. But uh, in that, I uh, broadcast live from the product page. And uh, this is what this past week's new product pick looked like. There it is. It's the NeoKey 5x6 Ortho Snap-Apart PCB. Uh, so if you watch that show while it's live, you can get a huge discount. It's 50% off for that. Uh, and... 
I like to also do a little one-minute recap. The full video uh, that I do, full live stream, is, is uh, some demos and some code exploration. But here's a little excerpt. Enjoy. The NeoKey 5x6 Ortho Snap-Apart. I have some simple demo code running right now, which just lights up keys when I press them. I wanted to have some non-one-unit standard spacing. So these are actually two-unit spacing. So in order to do that, you can see I've done a little bit of soldering here where I am running power where it's needed, ground where it's needed. I run the row uh, pin horizontally and I run the column pin vertically. That allows it to still treat it as a matrix. This one's actually acting as a number pad. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is a delete. This is numpad slash star plus this is a enter key or equal here you can see we are still uh, able to light up the neopixels the ortho 5x6 neokey snap apart pcb the neokey 5x6 get my audio back sorry about that I, I had that set to looping that's the default behavior i have to remember to set it to hold so it doesn't just play forever and ever. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, all right, well, next thing I wanted to do is take us on a little journey called the CircuitPython Parsec. All right. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to look at how you can time an event in CircuitPython to figure out how long it took. So what you can see here is a little demo I have. It's a Feather RP2040 with a sharp memory display connected to it. You may recognize this from a few weeks ago I was showing this. And I'm running here a modified version of some particle code that our good friend Todd Bot wrote. Uh, and you can see here I'm listing the number of particles that are in the simulation or, or in the screen right now. And I'm also listing the frames per second, the frame rate that this is running at. And so how you can get that is, I'm gonna scroll down in here, and what's important is that we've imported the time library. Once you have the time library imported, you can do things like this. I can set a variable called start time to equal time monotonic, which is the exact moment when you ask it. You get a unique time that's essentially a ticker that's been counting up since this, uh, since this board came online. New variable called elapsed time equals time monotonic minus that start time. So this is gonna tell me uh, in what, in milliseconds? I believe in milliseconds or, or uh, decimal parts of seconds. Now I can't remember. Uh, how, how much time has gone by? It's in seconds, yeah. Um, then I'm doing a little bit of math to convert this to frames per second. This FPS is an integer based on one divided by the elapsed time. Uh, and then I'm just printing that into the serial port. So you can see here, these are taking about uh, 0.1 to 0.2 seconds, which equates to about six or seven frames per second. Uh, and what we can do now is we can, for fun, go in here and adjust the number of uh, squares in the simulation. So I'm gonna change this num squares, let's double it, say 200. Let's see what that does to the frame rate. Oh, my, uh, my screen is acting up, I don't know what's paying attention to that there, hold on. I've got a, I've got a screen dancing around on me. Uh, I think I have a suspicion of what that is. I'll, I'll check in a second. So first, let's, uh, let's save this. It's gonna restart. 
Uh, and we should see, oh, let's see, let me save that properly to the board that was saving to disk. All right, so let's save to this little feather board here. Hit save. Uh, yeah, I'll replace the code there. Thank you, that's exactly what I wanna do. Uh, okay, so now it's, oh gosh, did I save that to the wrong board? I sure did. <laughs> it's the heat is getting to me. I still need to do that trick to all my, all right, let's try this one more time. All right, let's save that to uh, a board that isn't showing up. All right, I can, I can fool the finder into bringing that aligned just by turning the board on and off. There it is, Circuit Pi Drive, hello. That's the one. All right, as if by magic, I'm gonna save the code onto there. And now, uh, when it restarts, you'll see I've lost the serial port in, in the uh, code there, but now when this starts up, you can see it's running at about one, two frames a second. It's actually slower when those are all clumped together. I am not sure why. Uh, and now it's getting up to maybe four frames a second. So you can see the difference when we had 100, we were, we were going quite a bit faster. Uh, so. That is one way that you can time how long an event takes inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. All right, uh, yeah, this is a hoot. You'll, you'll never believe what's going on, I think. Somehow, Wirecast, the software I'm using to, um, to broadcast here, it is picking up keyboard shortcuts even when it doesn't have focus. So that could be that something changed, again, like I said, in this version of, of the operating system. Uh, my shortcuts that I use with that little camera controller there are just one, two, three, four, five, six, and that switches between some cameras. So I can, can do it right here if I just press keys on my keyboard. One, two, three four, five, six. So I think what happened before was I pressed the two key uh, over in code and it noticed that, which is a, a huge pain in the neck. I, I'll, I'll switch this to a, a more obscure thing, just control shift one or something like that. Um, but that's really weird behavior. So uh, if it happens again, I don't know how much typing I'll be doing. If it happens again, I'm just gonna disable those, uh, those keyboard shortcuts, but I think it'll be, it'll be better if I keep those enabled so that I can use this camera switcher over here later and then get myself some more obscure keyboard shortcuts later on. So it is always an adventure. Uh, all right, so let's see, what else is going on? Um, Toddbot says, my code is very bad particle code. See the vertical and horizontal banding? Uh, is it banding? Oh, you mean some particles are staying on a row? I don't know. I think it looks cool. Look at it. Look at this cool stuff bouncing around here. Yeah. Uh, so let's get back to it. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, let's start diving into this uh, keyboard... NumPad 4000 that I just started calling it because 4000 sounded exciting. So if you remember, so here, here we are, we're on a bit of a journey uh, with these little ortho key break aparts. So last week I used it for the first time live on air, which is always uh, a potentially exciting endeavor. 
this is what we start with. So this is, uh, as, as we sell it, that's the sheet of uh, 30 separate, or not separate, 30 connected uh, key sockets. They're diode matrixed, and they have the uh, NeoPixel running through, actually like, like this, like a snake pattern. Um, you can use it as is by connecting up to the rows and columns like I did last week. So there we have rows and columns connected as well as a few extras there for ground power and uh, NeoPixel. And those in this case are running up to this feather. So by reading columns and rows using the NumPad library in CircuitPython, uh, we are able to uh, tell which key has been pressed. So now what I wanna do is take a look at what happens when you wanna use this board to its full potential. So while it's cool to have a orthographic or rather ortholinear uh, 30 key little pad here, what you may wanna do with it is snap some of these apart to make different arrangements of them. So uh, you could snap this in half and run them diagonally and make a little mini um, split key or get two of them side by side, make a split key keyboard. Um, what you'll need to do, however, is connect up the any rows and columns that have been separated so that it still works as a matrix. And you'll need to connect up power ground and the NeoPixel. So in the case of this NumPad here, our good friend NumPad 4000, I'm gonna set this under the overhead here and switch to that for you so you get a nicer view and let me focus uh, and adjust exposure there the thing is blown out there we go whoa it was sharp and then the control this thing has a touch screen for focus i really wish it had a physical knob. There, okay. Uh, so what you can see here, let me get something to point with. A pencil will do. Uh, so up here at the top, in fact, I'm going to unscrew this little bottom plate. I wanted to still be able to see what was going on in there, but I, I am covering up some of the messier bit of wiring there. Uh, so this is a little sort of stacked uh, multi-part 3D printed enclosure that I made for this. And it's hiding the feather board that's running this, the Feather RP2040. So when you're thinking about a microcontroller for this, you just have to make sure that you've got enough GPIO pins to deal with the number of columns plus the number of rows, uh, as well as one pin for NeoPixel if you're doing that. Uh, so, let's move some stuff out of the way here. What you can see is the, uh, in this case, I just used yellow uh, wire for all of the columns. And you can see here, they just run straight down these, f what are essentially five columns, right? One, two, three, four, five. And then the uh, one, two, three, four, five rows except in some cases these get a little weird. Uh, this first one actually, I snapped this off backwards because I, I had the board upside down uh, when I was snapping things apart. So that was just a mistake that I had to re reconnect this one. Uh, so you can see this one here, I'm gonna zoom in just a little bit closer for you. 
so this one is actually just kind of a repair job. Uh, so I'm rerunning uh, a connection that already existed in these little, this little mouse nibble section that you can sort of snap off, this little perforated section. That has three traces, you can kind of see them there. So it is connecting up the, uh, the row, the in, and the ground connections. So I've just bridged those and, and, and reconnected those, that was a mistake. Uh, then this is uh, intentional wiring here, which is how you'll always do it. So I'm running uh, the first column pin, the NeoPixel pin, and the power pin. And that's uh, just by convention. You could put them anywhere you like. They're all, they're all wired together, all of the V in, and uh, you, you essentially want to pick the first pin for the NeoPixel. Uh, ground is over here. It's uh, a little bit hidden, but you can see there's a black wire there running to that ground. And again, by default, ground is just connected all the way across the board. But when we do things like either make a mistake and have to rebridge them, or start putting things in non-standard places, then we got to bridge up some of those connections. Uh, I think these are a NeoPixel out to a NeoPixel in here. Is that right? Now I can't remember on that one. We'll look at the, we'll look at the circuit diagram. Uh, I think there's two spots where you can do uh, the NeoPixel in out, either horizontally or vertically. So I chose for some reason to do uh, the horizontal ones on the sides there. Uh, so you can see in this case where I've broken uh, these apart to get this non-standard spacing, I'm just running a, I've got this yellow wire here running column to column, and then again, uh, column to column down here and then uh, running voltage all the way down. Now, voltage doesn't have to be in any particular order. You could run it like a, spug, uh, uh, like a spoke and hub or hub and spoke. You could wire it kind of any way you like, but I, I went vertically like that just because it made sense. Um, the, let me move this out of the way here. The row and ground are taken care of here. So you can see I've just got to get ground going from somewhere to somewhere. You can pick anywhere you like that's convenient. Uh, that one at least kept it out of the way from these two that I had to do, which are running from my horizontal row to the horizontal row. So what that means is, if I zoom out a little bit, on uh, this matrix right here, uh, this is a five-column row. This is a four-column row, because this one stops and I don't continue the row pin on. This one's a five column row. So one, two, three, four that weren't snapped apart. And then this fifth one that we're connecting to. Uh, and this becomes important when you start dealing with code because you need to uh, tell it not only uh, how many columns and rows you have, but how long they are so that you can actually get correct answers for when, when uh, keys are pressed. Um, then let's see, we've got, in this case, since the NeoPixels run as sort of a snake pattern, uh, they start in this upper corner, and then this one jumps down to the next row and heads to the right, flows down and heads to the left, and does this little jump up to this one, and then snakes back down, goes internally, and then snakes across. So here's a case, again, where I just have extra spacing in here uh, in order to accommodate the 2U width uh, zero key that I'm using on the numpad. And so there, that's just straight up an extension, and you can see this column here is one, two, three, four, five. So it jumps over this uh, power and column pin to this one. This one just stops at four, one, two, three, four. It doesn't head anywhere else. This one is five, and this one is a column of three. 
so now let's take a look um, at, I, I, I mentioned this before, so you've seen, this, is, this was my intention with this one, is that I wanted to do a more standard uh, numpad style, which involves having some of these nice big keys. And I really like to use these for uh, key entry in particular, uh, for, for number entry. Uh, also in like spreadsheets and in animation software. There's a lot of places where you start uh, wanting to use something better than a number row. But I like a, a narrower keyboard. I don't like this to be built right onto my keyboard. So this allows me to place it anywhere I want. In fact, sometimes I like it to be on my left-hand side, and that's a little hard to find a full-size keyboard with a left-hand number pad. So this is kind of why I'm doing this. Uh, and then you can also see I've made this uh, sort of one column wider than your typical numpad so that I get some extra stuff in here. We can use numlock to turn this into the alternate uh, keys like arrow keys and, and so forth. Uh, that's a, a sort of a toggle. I've got a page up, page down, a function key, and a control key. So those are all kind of extra and these are more standard. Um, now uh, what I wanted to do is actually look at the code for this a little bit. Uh, and I'll be doing a, a learn guide for this that'll have lots of, lots of info. Uh, and, and the code, so you can build your own. So what I'm going to do, hold on one second, I'll open up the code. Uh, in fact, why don't we plug this numpad in, and we can see it in action. All right, uh, let me zoom out a little further on this one. Come on, focus. Yeah. All right. So I'm just opening the code that's on that uh, numpad there. Or attempting to. Let's see. Is this it? Oh, it's not wanting to open. Hold on. Stand by. There we go. Okay, so I can show that. Uh, I'll show that here. There we go. Uh, and again, we may have, we may end up facing some camera wonkiness when I start hitting buttons. We'll see. So let's see. Can I zoom this a little bit bigger for you? There we go. Uh, so. Same stuff we've been doing with other keypad projects. I'm importing the board uh, for pin definitions. Keypad is the library that we're using for all the diode matrix stuff. Also works with shift register keyboards or straight GPIO pin keyboards. Uh, importing NeoPixel and then USB HID so I can do the keyboard and key code stuff. Uh, here you can see I'm actually telling this it's a five column and five row uh, layout, so you you will tell it whatever the largest dimension is on each of those, even if some of them will end up being smaller. Uh, it'll still work. I'm telling it the board NeoPixel just because I kind of wanted to light up the one that's on there. Don't necessarily need that. Uh, these are the pixels that I'm using for the number pad itself. So you can see uh, these are lit up. It's easier to see underneath because I'm using these uh, opaque double shot keycaps so they don't actually shine through. You can just see their under lighting around the skirts of them there. Uh, and then here's setting up the matrix. So you can see the row pins. I'm setting 
those five, one, two, three, four, five pins that, uh, that come in sideways to the different rows and the five pins that come in vertically for the different columns. Uh, so again, like I said, that you'll, you'll just tell it the maximum dimension that you're using, then you'll deal with it being fewer uh, later. The uh, example code that I had been running before had some clever math to correlate the NeoPixels, which are in this S pattern, to the um, matrix pins, which are in a uh, sort of start left to right on each row. Uh, so that's gone, I can't use that anymore. So instead I've used a couple of little lookup tables. So this is my uh, key code lookup table. And so here's how I'm, I'm uh, when I read which ones get pressed, essentially because it thinks that there's a five by five matrix, but some of those are never gonna get pressed. Uh, you can see my counting here is a little weird. I go zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We skip nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 15, 16, 17, 18, we skipped 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and there is no 25. Uh, so that would have been the five by five matrix, but essentially we have gaps in what gets pressed because there are, there are just key combos that never can get pressed uh, because of this layout. Then uh, the pixel lookup table, since they go in that snake pattern, I need to correlate those to this uh, matrix above. So I've created a lookup table that correlates and I just, you could, you could figure this out uh, more cleverly than I did. I just pressed stuff and looked at which ones were, were lighting up uh, and, and fixed those in this lookup table. This is the key map. So this is just saying what is actually gonna get pressed when a particular keypad event happens. So you can see these are all uh, from that CircuitPython um, HID lookup table. And I can't remember if I've shown that lately, but I'll show it now because it's really helpful. Um, I use it a lot. so. If I, um, what I usually do is I end up Googling uh, circuit Python HID key codes. And the first thing that comes up in Google, at least right now, is this uh, nice list, source code for Adafruit HID key code. Uh, and this will uh, tell you all the, possible key codes and it has their um, their number value and their sort of nice name value. Um, I believe you can use both. I only ever use the nice name value. So if I want to use a space bar, I just type in the word space bar. Let me zoom it up on this. This is a little small. Uh, boy, everything's lagging on my machine today. Yikes. Oh, that's a little better. So if you look down, since this is a numpad, I just kind of scrolled down to see, hey, what can we do on numpad? We got numpad, uh, uh, or rather keypad numlock, uh, keypad forward slash, asterisk. Uh, so this is nice because that means that you get the dual functionality when it's in numlock or not in numlock mode. Uh, uh, one, that will be a one key unless you have numlock press, or, or rather, you toggle num, num lock off, then it's an end key. Uh, so this, these keycaps are uh, only show one function, but some keycaps will show you, oh, that's both the eight and the up arrow. It's the two and the down arrow. So those actually exist in these HID key code definitions. So we can get to those by using numlock. Um, and uh, I said I would get to something about that in a second. I only have the numlock stuff working right now on uh, I've, I've been using it on uh, a Raspberry Pi, so on Linux, and I believe it works the same on Windows. Mac is funkier, and I need to actually 
try some other stuff uh, and talk to Dan Halbert and, uh, and maybe Scott Shawcroft to see if they know how that works because Mac, um, Mac numlock command is somehow different. Uh, so you could use some software to um, interpret what you send. You can use software like Carabiner is a good example. You can say, oh, it just saw numlock and instead it'll send what Apple calls clear or shift clear. Um, so there are ways around that, but I think uh, we should be able to do it in, in HID, I hope. Um, so let's see. Uh, Howard Evans asks, by the way, over in YouTube comments, does the uh, switch matrix have the diodes needed to do N-key rollover? Yes. Uh, so we can do N-key rollover on this. You can, uh, it can read all uh, 25 keys being pressed at the same time or however many uh, you have. Um, and I believe there's a good article that uh, Jeff Epler wrote on N-key rollover and how we're dealing with that. So... Um, Let's see, let me just look that up. Adafruit.com. Uh, let's go to learn. And N key rollover. Okay, we have a customizing USB devices in uh, Circuit Python article by Dan Halbert. Okay. Uh, I think Jeff also did some work in this. Let me know in the chat. So uh, this talks about how, how we're dealing with N-key rollover, which means being able to press more than six keys at once and having uh, the device on the other end of it uh, recognize that properly. So uh, let's see. Okay, so at this point, um, let me know if you have any other questions about this one. I can, um, I'll probably demo this I'll do a little demo video of this another time running on, uh, on like a Raspberry Pi. I'll just goof up this computer right now if I try using this too much. Uh, I'll do, so let me do a quick demo actually, just a little bit. So uh, if we go back to this screen right here, uh, what I usually tend to do is just throw in a comment down at the bottom. It's a little hash symbol. Um, and now you can see, is it gonna switch cameras? Oh, it didn't, good, okay. I pressed the two and I was worried the camera would switch. So you can see here I have uh, the main number keys, delete, I actually have it working as a backspace. It's just more useful for me the way I do stuff. Um, I haven't done this yet, but in the code you could do things like maybe make function delete be regular delete versus backspace. You could, you could create layers and things like that. Um, so these star and slash will just type those or if you're in your calculator app, those will actually just work uh, as expected, minus, plus, and enter is actually a, uh, an equal sign, which again acts as enter inside of a calculator app. Uh, you could, sorry, you could do something like uh, control enter key here actually is a, a real carriage return type of enter. Um, function, I don't have it doing anything yet other than typing an F. Uh, and that's because I don't think I understand how function works on Mac. I, I, I think it's, um, I don't think it's a real HID key code. I think it's just telling the top row of keys to send media key things like volume or if you have the function key pressed to the other one and you can change that in the um, operating system settings. So right now I don't have that doing anything smart. Uh, page up and page down, we'll do page up and page down things. Uh, and then numlock in this case isn't gonna do anything. So uh, if I do this in, um, Linux, when I hit numlock and then four, that'll be the left arrow key, for example. So that's why I should, I should demo that somewhere else. 
okay, so now what I wanted to do is jump over to the workbench and show you how to uh, put together, once you've snapped some stuff apart, some tips and tricks that I've learned about dealing with that. So let's, let's jump over to the bench cam uh, and let's see, I think I'll also, let me fiddle with something for a second here. I wanna, I wanna throw an image on the screen as well that we can uh, refer to. I'll just put that one there. How about, okay. So the uh, example here I have is actually, this is the extra stuff I peeled off of that uh, other keyboard. Get that over there where you can see it. So in turning the 30 keys into the 23 keys that I needed, uh, or tw 20, how many do I have? I can't remember now how many are on that. Uh, the, the fewer than, uh, 22? Yeah, it must be 22 because I'm left with eight spare. Uh, so I end up with these two little boards here. And uh, so what I want to do is turn these into a neat little uh, kind of macro pad. And my idea behind this was that I looked at this and said, hey, a, uh, an itsy bitsy fits really well there. And itsy bitsy is basically the same uh, size, I think, as a, as a Arduino Pro Micro or, or a similar board like that, which is really popular for people running QMK uh, keyboard software. So uh, that fit there, that works pretty well. So I figured I would do a little layout like this. Um, so I adjusted my little key plate uh, and, and uh, model that I built in Rhino and Grasshopper and I 3D printed this thing so that my tip number one is if you're gonna take some of these and rearrange them and, and uh, keep them on a grid, the easiest way to do this is with a key plate. Uh, now you can 3D print these, you can laser cut them, you can cut them out of some uh, card stock on a, uh, like a cry cut machine. You can do it by hand with an X-Acto knife uh, and a template. Uh, but the nice thing is that once you mount keys into them, even if it's something somewhat flimsy like cardstock or a couple layers of cardstock, uh, that's enough to keep things uh, essentially on a jig. This acts as a jig for keeping things um, spaced properly when you're soldering. Otherwise, you'll end up, you know, if you're just trying to do it with wires, uh, it, it could be difficult. You can take things like little bits of jumper wire like this and... Uh, or jumper pins and bend them to fit, but you gotta be pretty, pretty exact with that. You might even need a different jig to do that. Uh, so what I'm gonna do is, um, oh man, this camera's really flashing. Sorry about that. Let me, let me see if that can be fixed. I, I'm noticing some really weird flickering. Are you seeing that too? Uh, I don't see anyone complaining. Maybe that's just something I'm seeing. I hope that's just something I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, Jeff Epler says, highly recommended to 3D print a, a switch, a key switch plate. If you don't, it's, uh, it can be pretty difficult. All right, let me move that out of the way for now and just see if we can get uh, the camera to calm down. Um, and so in a case like this, you can, you can probably put a few of your keys uh, in and you'll just wanna make sure you're matching the orientation. Uh, so these are gonna be uh, pins up and LED shine through on the bottom. See that has a little slot there for the LED shine through. Uh, as well as these are somewhat translucent so you get a, get a bit more light 
kind of glow. Um, so we can throw a few of these in here and then start uh, fitting them in. This is flexible enough that, uh, with this few keys that you can actually probably put, put them all in there and just push them in one by one. Let's do that. Um, it varies. If you're doing a full keyboard, sometimes it's easier to just put a few spare ones uh, and then fill them in later. It's very easy to get one of these backwards if you're not paying attention. These are these really nice kale box jades, really clicky box jade pin uh, key switches. That, uh, I'll save those for, for after. So now I'm just gonna do a little bit of a horizontal wiggle to make sure those pins don't bend and are in there neatly. Go. Uh, let's do these here. So this is the alternate way, uh, which is place some switches in to begin with and others come through both the plate and the PCB. Uh, it doesn't make a huge difference, but in a, in a small board like this, but there you go. Okay, so that's the, the layout that I'm going for there. Uh, and then what I would recommend doing is uh, layout in, uh, oops, you can see I did it in fritzing uh, there, or you could just do it on paper or another uh, piece of CAD software. Um, but you wanna lay out things so you, you have an idea of how you're hooking them up. Uh, you can see here too, I was, um, let me, actually, I'm gonna pop this one off. I forgot to uh, file off or trim off some of woo, the little uh, rough edge there. And so it was conflicting and, and these things didn't really wanna be next to each other. Um, so this, let me get a little closer. Is that as close as I can get? It is. Um, can I zoom any closer? What's the closest I can zoom? Not much closer than that, okay. <laughs> uh, so what I'm gonna do in this case, I'll just go ahead and uh, take some diagonal cutters and just trim off that little extra bit there. Uh, you can also file that off, just be careful that you um, wear a mask so you're not breathing in that fiberglass, it's nasty stuff and it's worse when you um, file it versus trim it. Um, so another thing I wanted to mention, when you're breaking these off of the big board, so here's the, here's the big board I put together last week. When you're snapping stuff off, uh, you, know, you can pry off if you're not using this, this bottom piece, you can pry that off uh, using some pliers. Um, maybe press this down against the edge of your workbench and then pry that off. The um, trick is with snapping these off because when you put some diagonal cutters in there and snip one, you may be putting a little bit of strain on the uh, sort of surrounding connections. And what I found is in a couple of cases, I 
uh, ended up breaking just one of the three traces in the vertical part. I think this one here, uh, it actually snapped the tiniest little bit of that trace there, so that connection is suspect. So any of them that are sort of neighbors of places that they got snapped off like that, especially when you first start cutting things and there isn't any clearance, you want to go in there with a multimeter and check and see is there continuity, because if not, uh, those two columns, it's, it's not going to recognize this. Those two columns aren't going to work. So um, let's uh, refocus here, and I'll grab a multimeter. And the nice thing is, if that trace was nicked, uh, it can be jumpered with those two pins right there. So any two um, sort of neighboring pins across two Neo key sections are gonna uh, allow you to, oops, allow you to jumper them. Ah, so it's this one. So it's on this side. I know I wiggled one before, uh, so this, isn't going to get any voltage. If we wiggle this, it, yeah. As I wiggle that, it reconnects. So I know I've got a jumper that there. Uh, so that's kind of the main tips I, I uh, came across that I wanted to share. And then, uh, like I said, we've got a um, let's grab my illustration here. We've got a little diagram of what I want to uh, connect from a board-to-board -board standpoint. And by the way, since I broke these off the way I broke them off, they're needing to be uh, run horizontally. It's totally feasible that you could make this exact kind of board pattern without needing to rebridge uh, stuff internally if you just snapped off two. So, so you could be left with, with that, depending on how you're working. Um, but in my case, they've got to be connected. So now I'll put this back on here. We should now have clearance because I uh, trimmed that off. Uh, you know what, I am going to grab a file real quick. And uh, I'm going to turn my head and not breathe. That works sort of too. All right, so that'll fit, I think, pretty nicely now without bumping into the neighbor. push that Boop, right on like that. Uh, the jumpering that I'll need to do, if you look at my uh, illustration there, I've got um, this row to row, row to row, row to row, and ground to ground, ground to ground, ground to ground. And then uh, in this case, I'm going to, I think, have this as my starting NeoPixel, because uh, it runs down this way. And then just following the silk screen, these kind of can vary depending on where they originated in the original PCB. This is the out here for a NeoPixel, so I can run from out uh, to in here, and then that means I can run my NeoPixels just like that. Or you could jumper it all the way back up to the top. Um, so it's, it's up to you, but we want to end up with one row, and then we'll just use a little lookup table or some math to, uh, to deal with that. So uh, the, uh, I don't know if we have time to, we probably don't, you probably want to watch me solder all these in, but I'll, I'll get it started, um, and I'll share uh, one other trick along the way as we do that, which is 
If you look at, let me grab the numpad. If you look at how these are connected, I wanted to solder the wiring from the bottom to keep the top pretty clean. And uh, one way to do that and then keep these at sort of a consistent length, I, I needed to have enough to be able to pull that through this, uh, this hole in this. I wanted to still be able to get it out when I unscrew that. So I have some excess, but it's actually all a uniform amount of excess wire there. So to get that uniform or to get it you know, pulled like really nice and straight, if you wanna go for real, real clean look, um, I used some of our, I believe this is 26 gauge uh, silicone covered wire, which you can actually thread up into the holes on most of our microcontrollers. So I soldered one end to the, uh, the keypad first. So those all, uh, all got soldered. Then I threaded them up through here uh, and then cut them to consistent lengths once everything was arranged, stripped a little bit of uh, the silicone wire and then soldered it from the top like that. So I ended up with like that real clean um, soldering and really consistent wire lengths just because you can't just cut them all to one uh, consistent length because uh, they're all splayed across different, different positions on the board. So. Uh, I thought that was a, a helpful tip there for, for doing some clean uh, wiring is to get wire that's thin enough to thread right up on through uh, and then cut it to length once, once you have things arranged properly. So um, then, yeah, so, so for these, you can do this a couple of ways. Um, I think in this case, I'll probably uh, just do these as straight jumpers of either uh, solid core wire or header pins. So here's, here's a bent header pin. Uh, so you can take these pins that are just direct across each other connections and just tin them and tin a little jumper, uh, solder, solder. It'll suck to there and then cut off the excess. I think that these 90 degree header pins actually, I have some spare of these they work pretty well like this, where you can solder that, uh, if you see that little leg of the J there, or the L, uh, you can solder that, boop, just like that, and then trim it off later. So let's do one like that. I'll show you what that looks like. Um, and sorry, I don't have a closer up uh, camera here to look at that. All right, did that just flicker? I'm gonna have to check this in the, in the replay. I think it's just my, my display setup has gone goofy today. Uh, let's find some solder and get this temperature up on this little iron. Uh, so just to get it started, I also don't have a soldering iron holder for that iron, so it's always something. And we don't really need uh, mechanical holding uh, by these wires, so it's okay that they're not running through the holes. Just got a piece of spare solder fell in there. Uh, so I'm not worried about actually running 
a wire down through those and sort of stapling it. That, that's not necessary. Uh, again, I don't want to hold that with my fingers. I want a needle nose pliers for that or tweezers. And hopefully you can see that. It's kind of small. I'm just going to come in. jumper that and that may do well enough with just what was um, on there you can see I've got that part to tr trim off but I do once I got it tacked on there I actually like to go back one at a time and oh you got to be quick with it though yeah because it does heat the whole thing up Let's try that again I was saying I wanted to go in there one at a time and get more solder on there but I will do it like that oh that's on there nice and like so You kind of have to hold it for a moment because that retains enough heat to be quick there. All right, so those are now uh, joined. I know you can't see that too well. Uh, so that should work pretty well. You could also take the time to cut some little staple uh, style um, solid core wire if you want. Um, the real proof is can I trim it without it blowing off because that'll tell you if the, if the solder joints are good enough. Yeah, there we go. Got that off of there. Make sure there's not contact with the little uh, end of the kale switch there. So you'll end up with just a little little row of those kind of guys. Here I did it with uh, some little spare legs off of um, just some resistor leads, I think. So it's a little thinner than, than this uh, jumper wire on there. But that uh, you'll want to do for the row and ground, row and ground, row and ground. Don't get crazy and do the... Uh, don't get overexcited and do the in, in, out, 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 in. Those are all NeoPixel things, and, and that'll, that'll make things really goofy if you do that. Um, so I think I'll leave it at that. You can use your imagination. I'll probably finish putting this one together just because I think it's cool, and, uh, and then I'll have a little fun uh, itsy-bitsy guy that can be arranged different ways. Uh, only thing to be mindful of is the orientation of the NeoPixels if you're relying on those for, for some of the cool look these would all be to the right there, which might be fine, uh, but it probably works best in one of these vertical orientations. All right, so that should get you started. Hopefully, if you're thinking of using these uh, lovely little ortho keypads to, to do some work, uh, so let me know uh, if you have any questions. And uh, let's see. Someone said that their audio, everyone's audio okay. This Twitch stream stalled, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, we're having some issues, huh? It looks like YouTube is telling me it's not getting a, a fast enough stream. So my apologies, I'll be doing some uh, testing of this, uh, maybe rolling back an operating system <laughs> if necessary. So, uh, oh, that's a nice idea. Wagon Load said they cut 90% off the long side of the L so you can do a short bend and drop that down into a hole. That's very smart. Uh, I like that idea. Uh, NBRKN asks, is that a custom enclosure on the NumPad 4000? It is. I, uh, I, I designed a case and 3D printed it. It's actually kind of a layered setup. So there's a top layer here that covers some of the gap and, and brings this up a bit higher. There's uh, the plate, a little base plate there that all the key switches are popped through. 
Uh, and then I made uh, a sort of open bottom there that we can see the cool numpad through still, but really that should be closed off so you don't risk getting uh, Cheetos all over those or whatever. Um, I'll be posting these uh, files up uh, when I put the um, learn guide together for this. So you can build your own numpad and uh, hopefully that'll also be, you'll be able to use those model files to adapt it uh, in some cases if you want to, let's say, shear off a row. Um, I'm trying to figure out if there's a good way to make it um, somewhat easily procedural, but to be honest, I'm building it in Rhino and Grasshopper, and so the tools I have are for doing procedural stuff inside of Rhino and Grasshopper. Um, so maybe this is the sort of thing we should get the Ruiz Brothers to do in Fusion 360, or if one of you wants to do that, uh, to have a procedural uh, switch plate builder that you can pick which, uh, that's what I have now, sort of, I can pick what size and where uh, where they are to some degree and then call the ones I don't need and have it, have it uh, print out the plate for the right uh, dimensions. So uh, let's see, other questions? Um, oh, Todd about seeing camera vibrations on the stream and that's showing up as flickers for some people. Hmm, sorry. All right. Yeah, I may need to lock that camera down a little harder. It's actually my HVAC, I think, is blowing on that, that camera just enough to, to cause some vibration. Whee! All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it then. Well, thanks, everyone, for stopping by. And uh, let's see. What have we got? I think we've got a uh, deep dive with Scott coming up tomorrow. We'll have a uh, product pick of the week on Next Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll have 3D Hangouts with Noe and Pedro, followed by a show and tell and an Ask an Engineer later in the day. And then I'll be back with another John Parks workshop next week with a different project and maybe a, a, a little final wrap-up uh, on any of this stuff if I, if I have any uh, new info on them. But uh, that is the um, very bombastically named NumPad 4000. And... Uh, I had to finally have a good numpad back in my life. So uh, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.